Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a little while, a scam that seems incredibly real, offering you free travel. It's making the rounds. I'm going to tell you what to look out for so you don't get scammed. And later, the fight about net neutrality continues. And this is a serious fight about your and my freedom of speech. If you're not aware, the feds have said that cable companies and telephone companies are free to put up toll bridges and decide even what information you're allowed to see, what websites you're allowed to visit. State of California says not so quick. They passed a tough neutrality law that will require that you be able to go wherever you want to on the internet. I'm going to fill you in on that battle royale later. I want to talk to you about something that is an important warning for you if you have any family members who are 65 or older or you are yourself. This is a ripoff alert to protect you. Ripoff alerts, ripoff alerts. This is a Clark Howard ripoff alert. So there's, believe it or not, 60 million Americans that are on the Medicare program. And the Medicare program is doing something, I think it's 15 years after the federal government required that private insurers remove social security numbers from medical IDs. So if you have health insurance somewhere, your insurance card doesn't have your social security number on it. If you first had your own health insurance policy in the last decade or so, you have no familiarity with the fact that your insurance card used to identify you based on your social security number. Problem was, that led to so much identity theft. Same problem existed for Medicare recipients, but it took the government all these years to get around to issuing new medical record numbers which replace having a social security number on a Medicare card. So the whole purpose of this is to reduce the amount of identity theft. And unfortunately, there are many reports out there that there are scammers running around pretending to be from Medicare and saying that they are the ones that are going to help you get your new card. There's warnings from the AARP. There's warnings from Medicare itself. The most important warning from Medicare in conjunction with all these scammers running around, they want you to know Medicare is not going to call you out of the blue and ask you to divulge personal information. What these criminals are doing is a twofer. They will tell you you have to pay money to get your new safer Medicare number and at the same time get information out of you that makes it possible for them to steal your identity 
or use your checking account if you divulge that or a credit card number, whatever, to loot accounts or to buy things as if they're you. If you have relatives, parents, grandparents, whatever, on Medicare, make sure they know that this is a scam if they're contacted and not to give up any information whatsoever to someone who calls on the phone because what's going to happen next is nothing good. As far as the new cards, the new cards started being mailed out last spring. And the cards are going through a series of what Medicare calls waves. They're at the halfway point mailing out the new cards. They're doing them by states, mailing out the cards in generally in regions. Right now, the southeast region of the United States, Medicare recipients are starting to receive their new cards. Don't worry, they are legit. The card's coming to you. They are what you're supposed to use going forward. And just as a reminder, every medical practice in the United States, it seems, every medical facility, every lab, every hospital, every doctor, gives you a new patient form that one of the first pieces of information after your name, date of birth, and address They want your social security number. Always, always, always leave that blank. The only reason, the only reason anybody in medicine wants your social security number is so they can turn you over to a collection agency if there's an unpaid bill, unpaid balance bill, whatever. But the risk that they create for you by having that social security number floating around on paperwork in a medical facility is enormous. Nearly half of all identity theft now originates from medical practices. Leave that blank. Lynn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lynn. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So you've got teenagers who know the whole idea of working. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, uh, the youngest, the 14-year-old, just started working this summer. He just turned 14, and it's a it's a very family-friendly, oriented place of employment, and um, it's a great place for them to go. So my question is, they're going to have some earned income this year, so can I open a Roth IRA in their names? You bet you can. Okay. I thought I remembered you saying that. Yes, and so... This is a great strategy for teenagers, is that if a teenager opens a Roth IRA, they're basically in virtually a zero tax bracket, so -hmm. there's no advantage for a traditional IRA, but a teenager opens a Roth, I mean, you're a 14-year-old teenager opening a Roth, think how many times that Roth money will double in value over the next 50 years. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so you can open one from small amount of money on up to the, the total amount your teen has earned through the year. Okay, so that that was another part of my question. So let's say he only makes $700 for the whole year. I can contribute the whole 700 You sure can. Okay, so there's no minimum. And is there a certain company that you would recommend that we go with? 
Well, there are actually several I really like. Um, as far as amounts under a thousand dollars, it's a more limited choice. Yeah. So, at that amount of money, I would recommend Charles Schwab and Fidelity Investments. Okay. That are both interested in capturing teenagers as new account holders, hoping that if they treat the teen right, that the teen becomes a client for life. Yeah. That sounds great. You know, Thank Vanguard, you so which is another of my favorites, you have to have $1,000 to open one. But so. they have to earn at least 1000 to contribute that, right? It, yes, exactly. Okay. Now, I also have a big thing about the uh, what I call the mommy-daddy match to encourage right. a teen not to spend his or her money that they earn. And mm-hmm. that is where instead of you putting in all the money yourself that – your 14-year-old's encouraged to save, and you match the money. So what I did with what I've done with all three of my children, because they all three have Ross, is that when they work and they save money from a job, I match it 50-50. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So, so he it, could save half of it, and then I'll put in the other half, and he can still have his. Yeah. Right, because it's hard for a 14-year-old to be excited about something that's going to happen 50 years away. <laughs> so yeah. having a benefit of you doing an instant match and at the same time still having some of the money to do with what your teen wants, I think is a great combo. What I actually told them when they started was whatever amount you earn, because getting a young child to work period is hard I think in itself so when I they started working I said whatever amount you make this year your dad and I will open a Roth IRA for you and for that amount so they their money all of their money still may be in their savings that's not going to matter is it is we open it in that amount no not at all okay but I kind of like your 50 50 idea too so yeah because you want to create the idea of something other than immediate gratification right Right, I yeah. get it. And one thing with Schwab is that they normally require a minimum except for minors. The, a minimum of 1000 except for minors, as I recall. So um, one thing I can suggest with Schwab and Fidelity, they have offices all over the country that you take your teenager in with you to open the account instead of opening it online so it feels more real to them. Just a thought. Millen joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you? Hi, Clark. I'm good. How are you? Great, thank you. How can I be of service to you today? Um, Clark, it's a little bit of a challenge for us, but a good challenge. Um, We have recently paid off our house, and I was looking for some help or some direction from you and your team on what should be our next steps with regards to paperwork, whom all we need to contact, and how I should handle it. So we wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me follow this. You are now completely a debt-free individual? Uh, we are. Uh, me and my my lovely wife. We, yes, we are debt free, house and everything else. Yeah. And you have done so at a very relatively young age to become completely debt free and own your home free and clear. Do you mind sharing how old the two of you are? 
Well, I'll share my age. My wife is much, much younger, but I, I, I'm 37. 37, so, uh, and you own your home free and clear. That's fantastic. Yes. So, yes, so you have written the last check to the mortgage company. We, we did, and our online account does say it's paid, paid off. So that's quite an achievement and a long time planning. So yes. the lender will tell you if you call them, you say, now that we have a zero balance, what paperwork do we need to do? And they will tell you whatever you'll have to do based on the state where your property is located. And it's usually a pretty simple process. Oh, okay. Uh, we, but uh, as far as what you do next, I mean, what are your goals? What do you and your wife hope to accomplish now that you're completely debt-free? We usually go by one goal at a time, Clark. Um, so we are 37. We are hoping to be millionaires in the next two years by by 39. So that's our next goal. So we are working towards that. I think we should be able to achieve it. And uh, to what end? Like being being a millionaire is a fantastic goal, but is it with the idea of being able to not work anymore? Or what do you hope to do because one thing that I always come back to is not going for a target of a specific dollar amount but to what end what is it you want is there freedom you want in your life what is it you're trying to accomplish yeah that's a good question it's still in the work Clark uh, I think what we want to do is we want our money to work for us um, right now we work for somebody um, our goal is to work, you know, first of all, our money to work for us and hopefully a business uh, that we are passionate for. So we are going to, in addition to max out, maxing out our retirements, uh, HSA, Roth, everything, we do plan to save some money for ca- uh, some cash for a future business, uh, potentially into rental just like you do. Uh, but what type of business we are still exploring. I think it's too early for that. Well, you you laid out the goals beautifully. So you know why you're doing this, and that's so important. And what you are part of, you may not be aware, is an actual movement in the United States by people in their 30s to establish financial independence in their 30s. That's something I want to address in great depth soon and I'll do that, but congratulations to both you and your wife for achieving what you already have and the goals you're looking forward to achieving over the next two years. Hope you've inspired others by your story. An old scam has come back, and you need to be aware that it is as bogus as the last ones were. It's an offer where supposedly you're going to get free airline tickets. That's right, completely free, and all you have to do is answer a handful of questions and forward the the offer to many other people. Now, guess what? The whole thing is bogus. In a case that was run down by MarketWatch, the criminals pose as a official Delta Airlines website. Delta has nothing to do with this, just as any of the other airlines that criminals have mimicked the exact look of their websites. They had nothing to do with it either. So what the criminals do is brilliant. 
they tell you to set up an account with the Airline Frequent Flyer Program with a username and password. You may already have one of those, right? And they tell you you're going to get the free tickets, and all you need to do is sign in right here to claim your free tickets after you've successfully answered the questions. What you've actually done on the spoof website is you've given criminals the username and password to your account. If you have an active one with miles in it, they just have the ability to empty out all your miles and get free trips as if they are you. So think about that. Anytime somebody promises you something free, 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 you need to assume it's scam, scam, scam. Thanks for joining us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. I have been a fierce advocate for something called net neutrality. It's where there are rules in place to prevent monopoly cable companies and monopoly phone companies from putting up toll gates on the internet. You and I already pay for internet access, but the cable companies and phone companies want to be able to charge websites to be able to deliver them to you. This all became an issue when subscribers to Netflix suddenly found that they had the spinning circle of death instead of a movie or TV show loading because Netflix had money extorted from it by a monopoly phone company that said unless Netflix paid them money, nobody was going to be able to watch their Netflix subscriptions. Well, now the uh, federal agency that oversees monopolies in these industries has said you're going to be trusted to not mistreat people and this is a real problem for me because if we had robust competition for internet connections i would say fine let the marketplace settle it it would be great if we did have robust competition but we don't look what verizon did to those firefighters putting them in grave danger shutting off their phones in the midst of fighting those wildfires because Verizon said they'd use too much data and they were shut down. The fire chief calls and says, come on, we got firefighters that are going to die out there because we can't reach them, and Verizon told them to go soak their heads. That's what we face here with these big monopoly companies. And... What California has just done is they specifically passed a law that will not allow monopoly cable companies and phone companies to restrict you being able to go to websites you want to go to, that will eliminate their ability to slow down a site that won't pay extortion fees and will not require that websites in order to be seen will pay money. It will not allow AT&T to favor its own content coming to your AT&T phone or to your television that you get through DirecTV over other people's content. It's the right way 
for this to be done, to preserve our freedom of speech. I think about the fact that with Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com, I could face a challenge at some point where one of these companies that I obviously have said bad things about, that they just decide to block my content. And there's nothing to prevent that. There is nothing to prevent that. Now, California, despite intense lobbying by the cable monopolies and the phone monopolies, passed by overwhelming votes in their General Assembly and their state Senate, protections for you as a consumer. And several other states have as well. It's going to set up a court fight between these monopolies and freedom of speech. And we're going to see how this plays out. The real answer to this is for the U.S. Congress to grow a backbone and for your individual congressmen and your two senators to put in place real protections for free speech on the Internet. That's what should be happening. But I don't know that any congressman and any senators actually listen to you and me anymore. I think they only listen to the people who give them the big money. And I hate to say that, but I really think that's true. So all I can do is bring focus and attention to something that's flat out wrong. No one should be able to get in between you being able to go to content you want to see after you have paid for access to the internet. And it really is that simple. Larry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Larry. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Larry, you want to ask about something that, uh, that I have been into for a long time, for at least, oh, how many years now? at least 12 years, and that's solar. Right. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking of doing, Larry? Well, I I just started looking into it, and I'm thinking about doing solar for a residential house, and I'm trying to compare the options of, uh, you know, the payback time, they say, the distributors say it's about nine years, and whether it's worth it, uh, whether it helps the resale value of your house, and to finance this, whether it's, easier to pay cash or to use one of the suppliers uh, uh, money that they'll supply at an interest rate uh, just an information of that nature yeah so whether buying solar will automatically pay off for you is an unknown it's hard to say for sure I've done it just because I believe that it's part of our future and I was willing in spite of how cheap I am with things that involve energy I'm really willing to put my wallet to work even if I don't get the payback. So I'm a partisan in that area. So when I installed solar, panels were much less efficient than they are now, and they cost more than they do now. So today Uh the numbers are far more favorable to you putting in solar than it was when I put in solar last decade. So... uh, just because the numbers are much more favorable doesn't mean it's going to pay off for you because the questions that come up is uh, what kind of good southern exposure do you have? Do you have a good one at your house? 
uh, you know, the house faces west, and there's some gable roof is facing directly south. And I had one uh, representative come look, and he, he said, yeah, that's okay. So, uh, yeah. Okay, you want more than one. That's the, no, that's yeah. the <laughs> most important thing I've learned about solar is that you get multiple quotes, and uh, most people feel comfortable once they've gotten two or three. With solar, if there are, are let's say, five active solar installation companies in your area, I want you to get quotes from all five because you'll learn things just through talking with the salespeople. And you don't want to just let them go look at your property and give you a written quote. You want to walk the property with them. You want to be talking to them. You want to learn how they decide where to place, how they decide if your property is um, an efficient enough one. And And at the U.S. Department of Energy website, you should be able to find it. Uh, information about how to uh, how to figure out your payback, not based on what they tell you, but what you're able to see for yourself. And where's that website? Um, I'm Energy trying to or? remember if it's on energystar.gov or energy.gov. Uh, producer Joel is checking right now while we're talking. On the issue of paying for it, if you're in a position to pay cash, Pay cash and just be done with it. You're going to get 30% of that back as a federal tax credit with your next federal tax return. Right. And as far as whether it increases the value of your home or not when you go to sell it, it depends whether in the area you live there's a culture of installing solar. If there is, then people ascribe value to you having solar on your house. And the only study done was done out west that found that the average install of solar led to a $17,000 increase in the value of the home. Uh But if nobody around you does solar, they may not see the value in it. So you would have to make your own case with what your utility bills are. Right. Well, I live in the southeast, and it's just emerging here, as far as I can tell. There's a few houses in in this neighborhood that have it already. And And have you talked to any of your neighbors to get any sense of power bills before and after? Not yet. I'm going to. The the guy I wanted to talk to wasn't home when I tried, but like you know, I mentioned, I'm just starting this process, so So I I will eventually talk to him. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So the more research you do, the more comfortable you'll comfortable you'll be with the decision you make. And it's you, one of those things not to do impulsively. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Have you uh, got payback on yours? I know you said you had an older system, but is is it? Were you happy with it? Is, well, did it perform so like you thought it would. It's it's better than I thought it would be, and we're seeing really really nice reduction in power bill. But it's going to take me. Um, even with the credit, it's going to take me, and it's energy.gov where you find the guide to going solar. Uh, okay. Um, it's going to take me, it looks like, 14 years to get payback. Okay. Have you talked to anybody who's done this recently in, in their payback time or their estimated payback time? No, you know, I don't uh, know how system? often people actually figure it out. You know, I don't know. There, there are people I'm sure that are that are really numbers oriented, that really do thorough research. A lot of times, what people do is they they know uh, they live in a part of the country that that 
is suitable for solar and they install a system, they get back their 30%, and they're really comfortable with what they save on bills every month. But that's more subjective than objective. And that's why you want to look at this energy guide, see if you can figure out what kind of payback you'd have where you live in the Southeast. I can tell you, for me, what's great is writing a very small check or no check at all for my power bill in a month is fantastic and is it up is with us up welcome to the clark howard show hey hi how you doing i'm doing wonderful clark it's a pleasure talking to you well great to have you here how can i serve you so during the real estate bubble i guess you know when it fell a few years ago i invested a couple of uh, rental properties uh, their condos uh, in and around Atlanta, and uh, the the market uh, is doing really good now, and uh, they both came up, and uh, uh, I have about 60 to 70 percent of uh, equity built into the properties now. And uh, long term, I do want to continue to do investment in uh, real estate. So the contemplation of what I have is: uh, is it a good time to exit out of this, cash out, and uh, keep the cash and wait for? I guess an extra opportunity, or uh, should I just continue to hold them uh, and maybe pay off and, uh, uh, you know, All right. continue well, to let accumulate me, let me the tell cash? You, let me tell you how I feel about this. I own uh, the first foreclosure I ever bought. I bought in 1978. I still own it today. And I've been through thick and thin with real estate markets and all that, but there's nothing that appears any way possible that we're going to have another real estate bust like we had last decade there were so many unique factors that led to that that there's nothing i can see that would lead to where these properties that you bought at a great time have gone way up in value that there's going to be a, a down wave coming i don't see that so you may not see increases in value moving forward like you've had there may even be small dips in value from time to time but the question is are the properties in condo buildings and in neighborhoods that are getting better or the neighborhoods declining because that's how i decide whether i want to keep a place or dump one got it i mean the maintenance the hoa maintenance might be a little higher in value but overall, the properties are in great shape. I've, uh, How about the neighborhoods they're in? Uh, the schools are not great, but I think the neighborhoods are in a pretty decent shape. You know, I, I wouldn't call them rundown. I mean, they're they're really great shape. All right. So, so this is just them. my own system. You're making money on these. You're making a good profit on them with your tenants every month, right? Correct. So for me, the way my buy-sell signal is not based on uh, where necessarily the values are going in the short term. It's what's that neighborhood doing? If you notice that the neighborhood one of these properties is in starts to look rough, that's when I say it's the time to get out. If the neighborhood is gentrifying, getting better, you absolutely want to stay in. So I let the surroundings of a property and the property itself create the atmosphere for whether I buy or sell. 
just the fact that you've had a big run-up in value, unless you hate being a landlord, would be no reason on my part for you to sell. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. Producer Joel asks it for you. All right, Clark. Mike wrote in and he said, my rental car broke down during a rental period. Oh. Who is responsible and how should I go about handling this? Yeah. I have had that experience several times in the past and I have uh, fortunately not had a problem with the car rental company other than the inconvenience just taking care of the vehicle. Uh, Many rental car contracts make you responsible for tires, but not for the basic operation of the vehicle. I had a vehicle breakdown back in the spring, and I lost a day of my trip, but uh, the car rental company in a tough situation did the best they could to get me in a new vehicle and get me on my way, and other than the lost time, there's not a cost. So It would be unusual if anybody was holding you responsible for the basic operation of a vehicle. The contract you sign with the car rental company, though, good luck trying to figure out what all that means. All right, Clark, and Susan wrote in. She said, what is Ebates, and do you think it's any good? Ebates is, uh, basically, it's a program where you go to ebates.com, you sign up for an account, and... You pay nothing for that, but when you go shopping through Ebates, there are referral fees that Ebates makes for you shopping through their portal with pretty much everybody you might normally shop with, and they pay kickbacks or commissions or whatever to Ebates that then, in order to encourage you to be part of their system, they share some of that money with you and they send it to you trying to remember it's every 30 or 90 days they actually send you the money from your ebates cash that you have earned and so it's a no risk probably fairly low reward way for you to get some money you're listening to the clark howard show Thanks so much for listening today. You know, there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at Team Clark. Our podcast and radio show are produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. Clark.com is made possible thanks to Krista DiBiaz, James DeGal, John Crest, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marcinko, Clara Bassanetto, John Jones, and Grace Del Rio. ClarkDeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web, is produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan, and Damon Marley. You can sign up for our newsletters at Clark.com, thanks to Sally McDonald, and our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman, Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff, and their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227 and this is a free service of Team Clark. Thanks for listening. Till next time.